Welcome to the Hyatt 9 News Hour, where you will hear from cannabis industry experts and professionals from around the country talk about important topics while shining light on global issues and discussing cannabis as it relates to politics, regulation and reform, data and technology, science, research and medicine, family and parenting, art, celebrities and entertainment, fitness, sports, mental health and wellness, and plant-based medicines and entheogenics. Together, we are building a stronger community, fighting the stigma and creating change. With your hosts, Jason Beck and Rico Lamite, joined by special industry expert correspondents from around the country and daily antics brought to you by Cannabis. Coming to you live every Monday through Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific time and high noon on the East Coast. And thank you all for getting high at 9 with us. Oh, yeah. Good morning, everybody. I hope you all are having an amazing day today because that's right. It is hump day. That's right. It's Wednesday, June 28th. And get ready, all of my headiest heady boys out there, because guess what? Today is National Parchment Paper Day. That's right. It's also (laughs) National Paul Bunyan Day. It's International Cap Locks Day, so make sure that you everything you say is in all caps, especially in the chat today. It's also International Body Piercing Day, National Logistics Day. Shout out to all the distribution companies out there, along with National Alaska <clears throat> Day. And you're going to love this one, Gretchen. National Insurance Awareness Day. Because everyone should be aware that they need insurance, apparently. Well, thank you for joining us and getting high at 9 with us. It's also high noon on the East Coast. And please remember to like, share, and subscribe to us on all social media platforms. Use that fancy little QR code right there in the top-hand corner of your screen to see where we live on the Internet. And we're live every Monday through Friday on YouTube and and audio only on Twitter Spaces. But we are not on Twitter Spaces yet today. Hopefully, we will be back over there tomorrow. But kicking it off today i'm going to start the show off today i have a very interesting story and cannot wait to hear what y'all have to say about all of this okay the kansas city chiefs the chiefs travis cleese estimates that up to 80 percent of nfl players use cannabis Travis Cleese is one of the most accomplished players in the NFL, but before his rise to stardom with the Chiefs, the tight end lost an entire college season due to a drug-related suspension. Now, years later, Callis suggests at least half and perhaps even a clear majority of all NFL players are using the same substance that got him in trouble. He is speaking, of course, about cannabis amid the spreading legalization of adult use cannabis across America. And I do want to point out that in that first sentence in this article, I know a lot of you always care about them using cannabis over marijuana. And it actually says cannabis in there, even though in the second sentence they mentioned marijuana. But nonetheless, we're going to continue because Khalees told Vanity Fair this week that he was, in quotes, so embarrassed when a failed drug test got him suspended from Cincinnati. Nowadays, however, he's confident many peers are taking advantage of the NFL's looser rules regarding marijuana use. In a quote, if you just stop in the middle of July, you're fine, he said. A lot of guys stop a week before and they they still pass 
because everybody's working out in the heat and sweating their tail off. Nobody's really getting hit for it anymore, he says. And this is in regards to getting tested for cannabis by the NFL. Under current NFL rules, which were revised in 2021 but previously imposed suspensions for repeat violators, players are required to undergo just a single annual marijuana test at the start of training camp. As a result, Khalees told Vanity Fair, anywhere from 50 to 80 percent of the league's more than 1,600 players currently use cannabis, he estimated. Well, I'll tell you what, that's a lot of good money for sales because NFL players have a lot of money and they can buy a lot of weed. Khalees isn't just is, isn't the first notable name to, to suggest as much. Former tight end Martell, uh, Martellus Burnett once proposed that 89% of NFL players use marijuana and former running back Ricky Williams, whose career included multiple drug-related suspensions, suggested that at least 80% of players did the same as well. A number of notable retired players, including Williams, Marshawn Lynch, Tiki Barber, and Calvin Johnson have also invested in medical or adult-use cannabis companies in recent years. In addition to all this, well, what do you all think about this? Man, oh man, oh man, 80% of the NFL players in the league are smoking <coughs> on someone's supply, and I imagine all of the flowers are coming from California, but I'm going to see what y'all have to say. This is Jason Beck for the High at 9 News. What do y'all have to say? I mean, I love it. I love it. It's the best post-workout recovery next to ice, as far as I'm concerned. Next to ice. And also, it's Kelsey. Oh, Kelsey. Whatever. Listen. Whatever. Kelsey. <laughs> whatever. Whatever. Kelsey. That's already fixed. A.A. Ron, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, this doesn't surprise me at all, uh, but what I would really love to see these players actually do um, is take their clout, their fame, their money, and put it behind the industry. And I'm not talking about a brand. I'm talking until about... The NFL should strike until federal legalization. <clears throat> yeah, right. Okay, well, that's let's not, not get crazy that's, there. Yeah, that's, that's right. <laughs> But I'm saying, seriously, these guys who want to be able to use this product openly and endorse it for the pain relief and things that they're using to heal their bodies, this isn't about becoming bigger billionaires than they already are, whatever they are. Um, this is about getting this done and getting legalization to happen. And if celebrities really came out and took a shot um, and put their time and effort behind this and their funds, this could get done and get further than it ever has. I totally uh, actually agree. They with just you, came out and spoke out and demanded it. Mm -hmm. What was situation. the latest rule? Um, what did they change with the players union recently in the last negotiation? The, I, I that think, they just went and test for it? No, I think it's the time, the, 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 how many times that, that you are drug tested. Go ahead, Sean. Go ahead, Sean. What, what's your, what's your question? I happen to know about this because I had a couple of very good friends playing the NFL. It used to be, this is literally in the nineties, late nineties. The policy was you got tested sometime in August in camp. If you passed that test, you didn't get screwed with, with cannabis the rest of the year. So players used to, and I think he alluded to that in the yeah, article. I did. You just, you just didn't smoke for 30 days when you went to training camp. And before you were thinking, and then everyone's, I remember one of the Super Bowls I ran, the whole damn team was up in practically the room smoking, right? Um, so I just think at the end of the day, this is more along the lines, a great example of 
people who think they have control and the rest of us just getting around that control. I mean, the NBA has been smoking forever and now it's fully out there. I mean, I was a joke, a friend who played, he goes, never bet on it. He told my kids because they like to bet in Vegas on NBA games. Says, don't bet on NBA games. Half, you know, we're high sometimes. We just don't show up. Um, and, and that literally is the truth. And, you know, this goes to a bigger question. If you saw the Army recruiting goals are getting decimated. They are not, they're getting worse and worse and worse. Our ability to recruit soldiers, airmen, and sailors, and Marines, and it's a big problem. And one of the biggest things the, uh, you know, the, the heads at the military and the chiefs are saying is cannabis is preventing us from fulfilling our goal. And that's probably your best chance of why we legalize it, to be very honest with you. That's this is incrementalism. And at some point, someone's got to grow a set and stand up and say, look, this is nonsense. Quit testing for this shit. Let's be honest with ourselves and make this not a political issue, but let's make this sort of a public policy foundational issue. What the fuck difference is it to you or anybody else if I smoke a joint, take a micro dose of mushrooms or whatever? I get it, Sean. We all understand what's happening. But on the other side of this is that there's a lot of power. If you catch, you know, 30 touchdown passes a year and you stand up and say, this is nonsense, you know, I'm smoking weed. Or if you're LeBron, I mean, I don't think LeBron, I don't know, maybe he does. But if you're a high caliber NBA guy and go, look, I smoke weed, I perform, this is nonsense. Okay. That, but they can't. They're not going to do that yet. They, well, 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 at the same time, a lot of them can't do it because they have different endorsement deals with different companies that prohibit them from doing something like that. And, and that shouldn't be there, okay? But it is. It's a reality. It's incrementalism. And at some point, somebody stands up and goes, you know, I remember when Muhammad Ali said, I ain't going to your goddamn war. Mm -hmm. And they tried to throw him in prison. It's like, well, that was stupid. No, it wasn't. It shook to the foundations this nonsense that people keep trying to sell to us. That Oh, somehow these drugs are bad. That was evangelical Christian bullshit at the end of the 1800s. It got us into this stupid game. It's not a sin to smoke weed or to take mushrooms or ayahuasca or have a shot of brandy. It's not a sin. Stop it. It's a sin to support the absurdly overtaxed and absurdly regulated market, Dale. That's a sin. Um, this is the problem you're running into. <laughs> they were talking 75% of all ads on Fox are, a, are, it was, uh, are somehow related to pharmaceuticals. Uh, the pharmaceutical uh -huh. industry, and I was at a meeting uh, last month and some old friends on Wall Street, and they were talking about who are, you know, talking about the cannabis industry. And they're just like, I'm staying away because the pharmaceutical industry is coming out of, after us. You see the beginning of the propaganda on Fox and how they're talking about it. Um, they're pushing back and it's purely about dollars. And that's who we're facing at the very core is someone who, and, and to, to, you know, uh, our lovely Washington Insiders point, you could get the whole damn NFL. They don't have any money compared to the pharmaceutical industry. And I don't know how we're going to win because we have a country that doesn't even understand basic civics and getting out and voting. And, and so I'm kind of depressed about it, but I think that's at its core what's going on. Well, <clears throat> you know, interesting enough, you know what I'd like to see, Gretchen? I'd like to see... What? I'd like to see Bo Whitney do an economic study <laughs> on if, if, if 80 or 89% of NFL players are smoking cannabis, what type of a financial impact that actually has on the marketplace. I mean, I think that the big, the big conversation here really is around whether or not cannabis is or is not a performance enhancing drug, right? 
Um, I think an argument could probably be made both ways. I know that when I use cannabis and I'm going to the gym and working out, I definitely have much more focus and endurance. Um, couldn't, at the same time, it doesn't make you catch more touchdowns, though. Couldn't hit more home runs. So there. Well, well, here's the story. Here, when it comes to the NFL, the players, all they're required to do now, apparently, according to their rules, is one test at the beginning of training camp for cannabis. And then in 2022, February 2022, the NFL announced a million dollars in research for funding going towards cannabis um, with UCLA. So clearly they know it's there. They know it's coming. If the players stood up and actually said something, and yes, some may have to take a hit on their endorsements, but I'm sorry. If enough of them do it, then there is going to be change. I don't care what you say. Yeah, that's Colin Kaepernick move on behalf of cannabis. Well, that's what. Well, Ricky Williams did it. Let's see how many other yeah. people want to stand behind it. Yeah. I mean, there are plenty of guys there who already understand that they're getting their brains bashed in, and their careers are five years tops. If they're any good, they might go a little longer. What are you? Uh, but five CC years coming, tops. Are you kidding me? Look at should, a basic player that. in the NFL who is not Tom Brady, who does not have everything trying to hold him together. Players do not last long, especially if you're a running back. Taking a pounding every day, unless you're a superstar, you are not staying around for 20 years in the NFL, Jason Beck. Actually, linemen, linemen actually destroyed. take more of a pounding than anybody, bro. The point is, Jason. Just saying. Let me finish. Go ahead. I'm People you. need to stand up and do more for this industry. Everyone wants to sit back, smoke weed, get high, and they don't care that they're getting it from the trap. Fine. Mm-hmm. Then that's the way that we're getting to each other. You to go. Nothing is going to change if we all want to sit back and be apathetic jagoffs. Mm-hmm. Where are them? We are literally the most splintered industry. All of these other industries around us are so united and they have one common cause, their their own initiative. We're so busy backbiting each other in this industry that we're not getting any real movement done. There's only a handful of people that seem to be focused on what really matters. Everybody else is focused on what the dude next to them is doing. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not buying that five, five year thing. And, and Nick in the chat is saying it's that is their average is 3.3 years or, oh, no, even, even, even Spado is saying that There's it's 3.3 years. In the NFL, Jason. I don't, I don't know if I'm buying that. I'm, I, I don't know if play- I'm buying that. I think, I think that data is screwed. Oh, I think we need you, Bo. You I think we that. need Bo Whitney to actually, uh, to, to get some of this data so we can actually get it correct. But we're going to go right. to a commercial. Well, we, uh, I'd be happy to get some players on the phone. Would you like me to work on that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's let, let's work on that, Gretchen. We're gonna we're gonna go All to a commercial right, and we're gonna be right back. How's it going, guys? Saman Razani coming to you from Green Street here with Jason Beck smoking on the best weed in the world. Did you know that we have an audio-only version of our podcast available on Apple, Google, Amazon, iHeartRadio, and Spotify? Tune in now and check it out. Oh, yeah. Coming up next. That's right. She's the Washington insider that loves to dress up her dogs in fancy outfits and parade them up and down Capitol Hill just for the sake of thinking that her dogs like to get dressed up in these crazy outfits. And she's man, poor, poor animals. I'm wondering when PETA is actually going to send her a cease and desist. But nonetheless, she's the founder of Panoptic Strategies and our very own Washington insider. It is none other than the Gretchen Gailey. 
Jason Beck, stop making fun of my poor babies. They love their clothes. Mm -hmm. They have Steeler jerseys because they love football just like their mommy and know more about football than you do, apparently. Do they have any pineapple outfits? No, not yet. So if there's pineapple outfits out there, please send them along. If there's a pineapple outfit, make sure you get one for Gretchen's dog because we want to see her dogs parading in pineapples up Capitol Hill. They do love their pineapples. All right, my headline is coming from good old Marijuana Moment. Schumer touts marijuana banking bill as bipartisan priority and Republican sponsor is optimistic as long as measure isn't expanded. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer is highlighting marijuana banking reform as one of several key legislative priorities that he intends to push through using bipartisan cooperation when the Senate reconvenes next month. The Republican sponsor of the cannabis bill, meanwhile, says that this is the best time to get the job done. But caution that passage could be jeopardized if Democrats move to significantly expand the scope of the legislation. In the first half of the year, the majority leader was focused on getting President Joe Biden's judicial nominees confirmed and fending off GOP-led regulatory rollback legislation. But in an interview with Politico that was published on Tuesday, Schumer said that he's preparing for the second act of 2023, which will involve an intensive push to enact bipartisan bills like the Safe Banking Act. The bills from Senators Jeff Merkley and Steve Daines already received an initial hearing in the Senate Banking Committee last month, and the expectations is that it will be scheduled for a markup soon, possibly as soon as next month when senators return from the Independence Day recess. Schumer recently spoke with a cannabis industry leader who approached him at an unrelated event this month, and according to that entrepreneur, the Senate leader is feeling confident about the prospects of passing the marijuana banking bill. Observers say that the question is whether Democratic lawmakers will seek to expand that measure in a way that makes it unpalatable to their Republican colleagues. Schumer needs to secure at least nine GOP members for passage in his chamber, assuming that there are no Democratic defections. And certain senators have recently indicated that the votes are there to reach the required 60 vote threshold on the standalone. Danes, the Republican sponsor of the Safe Banking Act, told Politico that this is the best opportunity that we've had in the current Congress to pass the bill. Leader Schumer has been working hard and effectively to assure that we have a safe banking bill and not something beyond that. However, he cautioned that the bipartisan progress could be undermined if Democratic senators seek to expand the scope of the bill, as some justice reform advocates would like to see. The compliment to Schumer's work is especially notable considering that Danes chairs the National Republican Senatorial Committee, whose mission is to reclaim the majority of the GOP after next year's election. In terms of expanding the banking bill, there is at least one bipartisan measure that Schumer has described as critical to attach as an amendment on the floor, the Harness Opportunities by Pursuing Expungement Act, otherwise known as HOPE Act, which would incentivize states to facilitate clemency for people with prior cannabis convictions on their records. Don Murphy, who we've had on this show, director of the government relations for the Marijuana Leadership Campaign, told Marijuana Moment in a phone interview that the safe hope combination is effectively a done deal with bipartisan buy-in. I actually believe hope is part of the Republican calculus here. I think it's baked into the cake of the negotiations. It's been left to give Democrats something to support on the floor to help alleviate the problems they may have elsewhere. Any problems getting the marijuana banking reform through the Senate would come if Democratic members insist upon a broader package of social equity provisions, which would likely spell doom in the GOP-controlled House. 
Murphy also said that the bill's prospects would significantly diminish if senators try to remove a section of the measure that has been flagged by certain Democrats like Senator Jack Reed, who worry it would inadvertently undermine banking regulations. The Republicans I've spoken with about Section 10, it's a non-starter if it gets stripped out. Well, I would have to say that this is nice to see that Schumer is pretending to put his back into this. I don't think he needs to put his back into it. Frankly, if they don't touch the damn thing, I'm telling you right now, it's going to pass with 70 votes in the House. I'm sorry, in the Senate. This is going to get done if people don't fuck it up. This is Gretchen for Hyatt 9 News. All right. First of all, I want to comment and just say that I really like how you talked about him putting his back into it. And now all I have is that song in my head. That's all I got on this. You can just imagine Chuck Hold Schumer. You, you have- can do it. Put your back into it. So, 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 so in your vision of Chuck Schumer, what's he wearing when he puts his A back drag into outfit. it? <laughs> he's wearing <laughs> wearing swim trunks and a Hawaiian shirt swim trunks, actually and he's Hawaiian, dancing is there pineapples on this Hawaiian swim shirt or why not maybe be. flamingos too <laughs> oh man I, you know what I, I love how Chuck Schumer, Senator Chuck, Senator Schumer loves to get behind this and start to come out and grandstand about it when everyone has all the votes pretty much to do it. I agree with you, Gretchen. There's going to be an insanely high uh, vote count on this when it actually does get a final vote. Um, 70, I'm not sure if it's going to hit as high as 70, but um, I do find it very interesting that, uh, that, that you are willing to go on record with 70 senators. Well, I know things that you don't know, Jason Beck. Clearly, right. we demonstrate that every day. We do do that. That's right. Mm-hmm. Uh, if they don't screw around, yes, it's there. If uh, Schumer does not have defectors from the Dem side, uh, I think it'll happen. And I agree uh, wholeheartedly with Don. Uh, the Hope Act is baked in. So hope can happen as well. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Don't have strong leaders in the Senate or the House. Yeah, so. they all suck. That's but because we, we had one. We had one on the Republican side for a while. Who? We had, Who was that? We had we had Cory Gardner from Colorado, and then the Democrats wanted to put John Hickenlooper in his place because he's a Democrat, and and they want all the cannabis industry in Colorado wanted to get behind John Hickenlooper when John Hickenlooper didn't even support the legalization of cannabis in Colorado when he was the mayor of Colorado or mayor of Denver. And so this is it, it just baffles me He's that we governor. would. He is now, but he at first he was. He was. Exactly. That's senator. what I just said. That's what I just said. Uh, the, Thank you. Gretchen. I don't know where you're getting all this love for Cory Gardner. Frankly, if he was that great of a leader, he'd still have a seat. So well, it, he, the reason he didn't have a seat is because a whole bunch of different political situations uh-huh. but the point of it is that the cannabis industry should have stood behind him because he was the champion for them on the republican side and now they don't have a champion on the republican side and it doesn't make <laughs> political sense to replace him with john hickenlooper who basically doesn't support cannabis but likes to placate to it just in the same way as like a senator schumer I disagree that there are no champions on the Republican side for cannabis. Rand Paul, that's Hello. about it. Steve Daines, guy mm. who's sponsoring this bill. I wouldn't. Uh, Bring I, I, I would say that he's championing this bill, but he's not a champion in the forms of cannabis 
cannabis uh, legalization in that sense. I think Mike Lee from Utah is going Mike to surprise Lee, you. Yes, I, I coming days. I'm a big, big supporter of Mike Lee. I've, and he I've is always a fan been of a big. He is. He is a hundred percent. I'm a big fan of Mike Lee. Um, but we haven't seen that leadership. And so, if you're saying that that leadership is about to step up, I would support that a hundred percent. I'm a big Mike Lee fan. Once again, I know things. Great. Pay attention to me, Jason Beck. I always he does. Do. I always pay attention. He likes to, to fight with you. Yeah, I know. He likes to get feisty. All right. I think oh we yeah. Time with safe banking next. Where you're done with safe banking, you're done. You're done with all your talking points. What else points. is there to say? I'm always right. Did you get all your talking points out? <laughs> yeah, that's all I got. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh. Squad goals, safe banking. Squad goals, squad goals. All right. Well, I'll tell you what. I'm going to go into. I have. I have a second story for you guys today. I'm gonna, uh, I'm can gonna, we go to someone else? No offense. Before we have to hear from you again. You know what? Maybe. Come on. Maybe, you know what? Come all right. On. All right. I'll, I'll. I'll be. I'll be a good sport. I'll be a good sport. I. I. I am Yay. down for that. I am down for that, Gretchen. I. I. I Fantastic. Because I believe in listening to women. Okay. That's why. All right. Yeah. Roll up your pant legs here, guys. That's right. That's right. <laughs> he is an attorney turned into a cannabis felon and now helps cannabis companies wiggle and maneuver around all of the complex legalization issues and matters. He's the founder of the Marta Law Corporation and Mr. Dale Schaefer. Hey, good morning, everybody. I get the baton after that, right? Okay, I thought yep. you were going to give it to Sean so we could laugh at him for a minute. No, no, Sean's, Sean's last on the run a show list. Okay, well, um, I, I brought in a, uh, a complaint that just got filed recently, and it, it's at some level it's not real interesting because it's a, you know, a breakup of a company and people acting badly and calling each other names and acting stupid and, and that is the courts. Uh, headings from Law 360, odd company investors accused of falsely smearing former CEO. Oh, my God. You know, the life's going to come to an end here. It seems that a guy named Romero, whose dad was an ambassador in Ecuador and got caught up in sort of a Ponzi scheme. Uh, not relevant to the world, but it seems to be relevant to this thing. He started an investment company out of Colorado as an LLC in 2019 and needed some money. So the key thing is he got some investors, but he also gave up equity. And so that's where his problem started. Because when I form companies, I, I haven't gotten a, a business psychologist involved yet. But I advise that you take a hard look at the people you're going to be um, running these businesses with. Because an LLC has an operating agreement, which is a contract between the members to act in certain ways if you have pissing matches. And rarely do people have pissing matches that fall right in line with their operating agreements. And here we have one. It seems that after he took these people on as equity, and they are now owners of this investment company he's the CEO of, he wanted to try to bring another investment group in. And as I'm reading it, these other people just weren't going to have any part of it. Okay? And the troubles began. And so they started talking smack about him. He got a cease and desist letter. And then apparently they went on steroids. They put on their web page that, oh, his, he's going to spend the rest of his life in prison like his dad, like Pops, who was the ambassador of Cup in a Ponzi scheme. That's defamation. Okay. And then uh, they tried to get a business in, in Missouri and uh, got the AG there to investigate him. 
claiming false information. Okay, I don't know how that goes anywhere because there's a privilege in there talking to the cops, blah, 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 blah. But then there was an Illinois company. They got in the middle of that. And what you have here is what my firm typically calls a pissing match in the dissolution of a company. And this guy who was the CEO, um, who's the Romero, who's the plaintiff here, he gave his resignation. And before he could resign, he claims, oh, they fought me at every step to bring a new CEO in. Well, the flip side is you're bringing some fucking crony in that you want to run this company. We don't have anything to do with it. He tried to take a loan that required everyone to turn over financial information. And one of these defendants said, yeah, fuck you. Pound sand. You ain't getting my financial information. So it all kind of went to hell. And now they're in receivership. So if there's lessons to be learned from this. Um, be very careful who you get in bed with. People spend more time today forming a relationship after having sex and think you're cute and all that stuff. Let's just go have a relationship than they do thinking about who they're going to make business decisions with that involve hundreds of thousands and not millions of dollars. Because if you haven't heard this before, people are fucking scandalous. They will do the craziest shit when you're not getting along. And if you can't figure out how to fight fair in a business, you're going to end up in the equivalent of a divorce. And this is what we have. These are only the allegations and not, we'll hear back from them. But this is a, a story we're going to hear a lot about. Who are you going to have business relationships with? People jump in bed way too early, and then it's like, oh, my God, I want out of this. Well, how do you get out? There's no easy way in cannabis because you can't go bankrupt. End up in receivership. And if you hadn't heard, Herbal is now in receivership. We did the Catalyst story a couple of weeks back. Herbal's in receivership. Well, no shit, Sherlock. No one's paying anybody any money, and you can't go bankrupt. So there you go. So... I guess the lesson is be very careful or more careful who you get in bed with when you're going to get into a business deal because sometimes their breath is horrible the next morning. That's my story. Oh, oh, oh. What do you all think? Oh, man, oh. Dale. They got that bad was a great breath, closing huh? line. Yeah. I've been there and done that. It's like, oh, I'm sneaking out of this place. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just feel like saying I know how that story ends. And that was yeah. just Dale's cellmate down the road. Was it was? <laughs> I think one of the biggest um, reasons why we're seeing so well. First of all, partnerships are often like marriages, right? Mm -hmm. And what fifty four percent of those in the U.S. are now ending up in divorce. So I'm expecting something similar with regards to the businesses that are opening in this space. But additionally. You're right, Dale. Everybody is, um, it's almost like a speed dating. Hurry up and jump in bed and then figure out what, what you're going to do if you get pregnant afterwards, right? Um, it's one of those things where I think there's just a big race to hurry up and get in the game. And so people are just really quick to jump in and, and see and attach themselves to whomever seems like they know what they're doing. Um, it's happened to There's the problem is there's bullshitters everywhere. And they get under my skin because when you really get them in a corner and they have to admit, well, my story was 99% bullshit. Okay, well, now we're a long ways down the road and you're just a lion sack of shit. So it, they come into my office frequently because, oh, man, I want this guy's close. And in California, the metric access is where you really screw people up. An owner took over my metric access. He's running shit out the back door. What do I do? So, you know, we devise a battle plan and go in there and get the other guy thrown out. But you're at war now. And, and well, you don't think about that when you go in. 
Dale, question for you. Um, since you're used to dealing with so many people with issues, um, what I've been married three times, so I got that one. A lot of issues. <laughs> okay, well, all right, I won't come to you for marriage advice, but so, but Please in don't. the business arena, uh, what would you say to someone who's looking to get into bed with folks? What are red flags? What are things they should be looking for when they're talking to you? you partners? Um, time is of the essence. Is used all the time. Um, in our firm, we do a due diligence background check. We want some time to do that. We ask for a shitload of documents, okay? We have some meetings to go over what we find in these documents. And it takes time. And if someone's chomping at you, we got to go, we got to go, we got to go. That's like a something flashing, a red flashing light on your dash. Whoa, go slow. Because it's like dating a crazy woman, is okay? It, isn't it? You don't find out they're crazy till after you're into this thing which was my mistake. It's like, oh, shit, can you learn from this? It, it is a lot like intimate relationships. You're going to have very intimate relationships with these people because you're going to want to fucking kill them a couple of times, okay? Mm -hmm. And can you fight and follow the rules of engagement we put together in our operating agreement or our bylaws or not? Um, first of all, on behalf of women everywhere, there are some crazy dudes out there too there that are. people get stuck dating. <laughs> I'm just saying. Hell, you misogynistic pig. <laughs> no, you son of a bitch. But I have yeah, the experience. It's only for me. Okay. Yeah. I my filter for crazy women was fair enough. Oh boy. No comment. I'm not touching that one. I, I, someone. I love crazy. <laughs> I love crazy women. I think crazy Medicine, women are right? the best. Yeah. That's for what? They're just best for being crazy. You know what I mean? You have to be able to know what crazy is if you know, want to know how to stay away from crazy. You know what I mean, Dale? You have to know how to identify it. Well, identify it and then stopping yourself are two different things. Well, sometimes, you know, it's hard It's hard to quit hard drugs, bro. It is. <laughs> what do you got to say, Gretchen? I see your little green screen lighting up. I ain't got nothing to say. Oh, okay. I already asked Dale my question. All I'm right. good. Okay, all right. There you go. All right, Sean, you got anything on this? No, I'm just uh, so many interesting comments I can make. I'm just going to shut up. Oh, man. Your <laughs> wife. yourself in more trouble like me? Your, your, Come your, on, your, 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 your wife must be sitting in front of you right now, like looking at you. No, she's not. <laughs> yeah. She's case hardened to this shit, Jason. Oh, man. You know, we're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. The control tower from Highly Educated has perfected the dab. Utilizing the concept of thin film evaporation, you can waste none of it and taste all of it. The micro texture of the SE pillar increases nucleation at elevated temperatures. And with the tower propelling at 2600 RPMs, it's certainly the most efficient dab experience to date. The control tower from Highly Educated. Oh, yeah. Coming up next. That's right. It's Carmen Sacramento. She's the woman that shows you how cannabis entrepreneurship, motherhood, and an executive lifestyle all go hand in hand. That's right. Give it up for Miss Mandy Tingler. You think you think you. Well, I have some very exciting news, friends. Today, the headline for my article is a California Assembly Committee has approved a state or a Senate passed bill to legalize the possession and facilitated use of certain psychedelics. 
Assembly Public Safety Committee advanced the legislation from Senator Scott Weiner in a five to two vote with amendments on Tuesday, about one month after it was approved by the full Senate. It now heads to the Assembly Health Committee before potentially moving to the floor. These substances have significant healing potential, and there is growing research showing that potential, Weiner said in opening remarks. Had the war on drugs not started in the 60s and 70s, we would probably be in a dramatically more advanced state around psychedelics. But the war on drug drugs, which criminalizes possession and use, among other things, shut everything down, and we lost 40 or 50 years as a result. We're trying to reverse some of that damage. Let's stop arresting people for possessing and using, he said. And then we can build from there said last week that the decision to refer his measure to the health committee means that the proposal is up against a quote challenging road towards passage. Prior version cleared the public safety committee last session as well but the senator said that he's less certain about its prospects in the other panel this time around. The path for this bill has always been narrow and remains narrow the senator told marijuana moment following the committee vote on Tuesday bill, which was also highly amended in the assembly about a week before the meeting, is a more narrowly tailored version of a measure that the senator led last session that passed the Senate, but was later abandoned in the assembly. SB 58 would legalize the possession, preparation, obtaining, transfer as a specific or transportation of specific amounts of psilocybin, psilocin, DMT, Ibogaine and mescaline for personal use or facilitated use. Notably, synthetic psychedelics like LSD and MDMA would not be legalized under the provisions of previous versions of Wiener's legislation. Besides personal possession being legalized, the bill would also specify or specifically provide for a community-based healing involving the entheogenic involving entheogenic substances. It previously include, included group counseling as well, but the author's amendment that was adapted last week removed all references to counseling. It also made a series of technical changes to clean up the legislation. The bill would also repeal state law prohibiting any spores or mycelium capable of producing mushrooms or other material which contains psilocybin or psilocin. State ban on drug paraphernalia for the covered substances would also be eliminated under the legislation. The proposal contains at least two key changes from the measure that advanced last session. First, it, it excludes synthetic psychedelics like LSD and MDMA from the list of substances that would be legalized. The prior version of the legalization was in jeopardy near the end of 2022 session. Wiener sought out to make a deal to save it by removing the synthetics in an attempt to shift law enforcement organizations from being opposed to neutral on the bill. That move was opposed by advocates and ultimately did not produce a passable proposal. Peyote is also excluded from the bill's legalized substance list, which responsive to concerns raised by some advocates and indigenous groups about the risks of over-harvesting the vulnerable cacti that's been used in ceremonies. Under the second major change from the bill last year, from last year's bill version, it no longer includes a provision mandating a study to explore, explore excuse me, future reforms. The senator had said that the study language was unnecessary given the high volume of research that's already been done and continues to be conducted. The allowable amount section of the bill prescribes the following psychedelic possession limits. You're ready for this. EMT, two grams. 
Ibogaine, 15 grams. Psilocybin, two grams or up to four ounces of plant or fungi containing psilocybin. And psilocin, two grams or up to four ounces of a plant or fungi containing psilocin. When the earlier version was moving through the legislature, it was gutted in a key assembly committee to only require the study eliminating legalization provisions altogether. Wiener responded by shelving the legislation and holding it until this year. When Wiener was asked about Governor Newsom's stance on this, he said, it's unclear to me as the governor is not expressing any opinion pro or con. Specifically, this would allow licensed clinical counselors to administer, excuse me, Meanwhile, while a separate bill from Assemblymember Marie Waldron, a Republican, was introduced in February, February to legalize psychedelic-assisted therapy for military veterans. This would allow licensed clinical counselors to administer controlled substances, including but not limited to psilocybin, MDMA, LSD, ketamine, and ibogaine veterans for the treatment of post-traumatic stress disorder, traumatic brain injury, or addiction. The rest of the article, you guys, goes on to talk about all of the different states that are doing some sort of legislative movement around psilocybin. Some of these states include Nevada, Minnesota. We're also looking at Colorado, Washington. Um, obviously, we're talking about here in California. And there is an intense amount of support growing around the country because the knowledge and education around this uh, particular topic is, is expanding so you guys, this is exciting for me in the state of California. I'm not really counting on a whole hell of a lot. Thank you to Senator Weiner for always pushing this agenda and our, our initiatives forward. I'm still excited. I'm not expecting a lot, but I am excited. And uh, this is Carmen Sacramento from High at Nine. What do you guys think? Getting psychedelics legalized is gonna be easier than it was to get weed legalized. That's for damn sure. Um, and back in the 50s, they actually did a lot of research into this clear into the 60s, and they just parked it. But the research just brings into the modern age where they were with antidepressant effects of this. And as Sean will tell you, um, in, the, in the veteran community, a lot of us have PTSD, some much worse than others. And this is a godsend for the community. Okay? Um, yeah, Dale. I mean, I, Mandy, I, the, you know, one of the things I'm seeing, you saw Rick Doblin's and MAPS uh, conference in Denver had like eight or 9,000 people in it. This is the issue. We have a systemic issue in the veterans. First, none of that stuff's going to happen at the VA, right? So one of the issues, you know, one in California, I'm like, is there laws against psychedelics? Because they're easily available. Everyone's doing them, right? Without recourse. And then, and I would be like to know, are you hearing of a lot of people arrested in California? Uh, over this stuff. I'm not, you know, uh, although the, the, you know, having the bill is good, but the legal therapy and the therapy and the MDMA, one of my critiques of, of Rick and MDMA is you're really pushing privileged medication, right? I mean, if you look at ketamine infusion, I mean, <laughs> ketamine was developed in the fifties, right? It's generic. You can literally probably buy a vial for a dollar half and then an IV bag for another dollar half, right? Um, yet, you know, you, you $7,000, $2,000 doctors, I mean, foot doctors who know nothing about ketamine are prescribed, you know, doing ketamine therapy because it's money. It's big cash margins. So really, you know, this ketamine infusion craze we're seeing is predominantly rich Karens and Chads talking about. I mean, I hate to say it, but people, you know, my, my good Cal Bear, Dale, you know, Rogers, the quarterback, if he's your spokesperson, um, you're just pushing more privileged BS. And, and, you know, the real question, it's about access. Is this going to make stuff accessible 
other than to protect the people going to Burning Man and, and sitting in their twenty thousand dollar, you know, uh, you know, Four Seasons camping ground. And 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 that that's what I would love to hear is this stuff needs to be accessible. It works. It's not, it can be dangerous too. And that's just the reality we're going to have to deal with. People do die. I mean, mushrooms, I've seen some pretty interesting, very scary suicidal trips people have been on. It's, it's dangerous. Ketamine, um, if you don't know how it's had, you can really hurt yourself because you pass out on a kale and crack your head open. And, and the six people who died when I looked at it a few years ago were all drownings with people on ketamine because they passed out, right? So I, I just go to these are all great talking points, but how does it really affect everyday American? They don't. Um, and so I would love to hear it. Is, is arresting for psychedelics a huge issue in California? I haven't heard it. Well, I don't know that that's the specific issue because I don't think it's a high priority for people arresting. If you get caught stupid enough with a fucking mushroom hanging out of your mouth, and, you know, you get arrested. You're probably asking for it. But um and, and Sean, you and I still go back and forth about 64, but what my support yeah. was, take away all the fucking criminal penalties, okay? If the cops can't arrest you for something, it no longer becomes an, uh, a priority for enforcement. So anything they can do to take away the criminal sanctions for personal use of psychedelics, um, I, we're adults. You know, my mommy didn't give a shit if I took mushrooms, but my mommy's been gone for a long time, and the state should not be your mommy Telling you what you can do. So if we can take the ability to arrest away, it's another giant step. I fully support that. And I understand the politics of limiting LSD and other things like that, um, but it's not real. Psychedelics have been used. I mean, mushrooms. Ergot was what they what they got LSD from. It was used, you know, three or 4,000 years ago. These products have been part of ritually handling our emotional health, and we need to move towards that North Star. Let people use it. Have rules about it. You can't. You shouldn't be out driving a car when you're on. I mean, I've done it on acid, and it's not. It's not a smart thing to do. This was 50 years ago, so we should have some reasonable rules around it. But, well, the road turned into a cobra and tried to bite me, so I figured it's time to get off the road. Are you Are you sure the the the, the freeway didn't turn into like the ocean and you were just on riding the wave, Dale? Oh, I was down in an orchard going, "Fuck, that was a big snake." I pulled my Volkswagen Beetle off, went up. This is not. A, I told all my kids, "Don't drive on acid." Let me just give you a hint: don't drive on acid. Well, you, anyway. Gail, you bring up your your point's interesting, right? The idea, and it goes to like control, right? And it tends to be that group that wants to save the children, protect, and I think they're projecting their own issues onto everyone else. But the the sad reality is just like local control. You don't have control. It, it, it's an oxymoron. I mean, all you're doing is creating an illicit market, and, and that that's really what we're doing, which is more dangerous for our kids. Because like I said, I have four kids, one kid in high school, three in college right now. They could get every drug, pharmaceutical, non-pharmaceutical, at their high school or any other high school that they wanted within a few hours. And so all we're doing is, you know, we're passing laws and thinking we're protecting people. We're making it worse. 106, 110,000 overdoses, and now we're blaming fentanyl. It's the, this generation's crack epidemic. It's the biggest bullshit propaganda I've heard. And, and, and you know, we had 50,000 suicides. It's 150, you know, 60,000 people that died last year uh, from mental issues. And, and we're not taking it seriously. And you can tell by, you know, the people we allow to control the narrative. And that's just the privilege. And it's the privilege on the left and right. And they're not helping anyone. Interesting. You know, one thing that really stood out to me in this article was 
when they talked about the state of California changing the legislation and removing any kind of language around counseling, um, that's weird to me because we're sitting here talking about how powerful this is as a mental health aid, right? I don't think it's weird. I think, Mandy, what you have is a disagreement in the therapy circles about it. I also think you have a disagreement about the access issue. If we legalize this, and and, I mean, I got to be honest with you, Rick Doblin got up on stage and said, this really works, MDMA, it's awesome. And the key is my therapy and therapy. And I got to be honest with you, 99% of psychedelic use is cell therapy. Um, and the idea that we should anoint a bunch of therapists, and I think a lot of them are clowns, as the gatekeeper for psychedelics, I would be 100% against. Because again, it goes to money. What are you charging me to, for my access to mushrooms? What are you charging me, my access to MDMA? And what you're going to find is it's more privileged healthcare with the vast majority stuck on the illicit market. So I think that's the controversy going on the therapy side. Um, it, it's a great way to capture the medicine that we're talking about for the few, put it in some type of, you know, privileged gatekeeper game that we do all the time. You're 100% Well, we right. have layers of control at the state level. We have in California, the Department of Consumer Affairs has the Medical Practices Act. And so if you're going to get a therapist, they have to be licensed under this act. And so if you go contrary to what the law is, you risk your license. And if you're a psychiatrist and you have a scheduled prescription license from the feds, you risk that if you do that. So you take away what be a pool of legitimate trained therapists and you bring in people that, well, how do we know this person knows what to do if you have a bad trip and you're, you know, you lose control? There's a lot of things that come out deep in people's psyche when you give them these drugs. And if you're not trained in how to help people get through that, I've, you know, I've helped hold people down having bad trips. I mean, that's not good therapy, okay? There, there's a lot of unknowns here. The bottom line is if people are growing this shit everywhere, it ain't hard to get. And so the average person's going, you know, I, if I take a microdose in the morning, I don't need my antidepressant. And Sean, that's where the pharmaceutical guys are going, hang on, hang on. We've marketed this shit. We don't want you. This, this stuff has a better profile in testing than the SSRIs did. And, and the facts are just there. It, there's a couple studies that have just come out talking about the studies that we're using at the FDA and how they're just bogus. And if you actually look at all the studies on antidepressants, not just the, you know, pick and choose off the uh, publications that you like, it shows uh, antidepressants are pretty much worthless like the placebo. Uh, mm-hmm. And so there, this, this information is coming out now into the public sphere where there is a whole medical community that's, you know, exposing it. Uh, but it is total crud what has been going on. And I think to your point, Dale, psychedelics has empowered the average human to push the boundaries that they need to mentally to heal. And I think that freedom from the therapist, that freedom from a captive psychiatrist who likes to diagnose you with everything within the first meeting, um, I think that is the magic of psychedelics. It is the people's medicine. It has become the people's medicine. And just like Burning Man, we've let the privilege co-opt it. And so I'm very skeptical of the people like their maps and their psychedelic conference because it's one sea of privilege when you look at those ticket prices, right? Uh, we got a bunch of rich people telling us how we should live now. You know, um, I think the reality is these psychedelics need to be free, like you said, and they need to, you know, every other culture has a place to do them. 
Usually it's in some religious ceremony or coming of age in Central America among the indigenous population. You get to 16 or 17 or 14 as a male, you take them. It's a part of the process and it, it helps that growth. And so I think in America, where we've lived under a very whacked culture because of our religious foundation, um, they've stripped that out. And I think that's very unfortunate. We, we need to bake it back into our society and have it be acceptable. We're going to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. We got to go to a commercial. We're going to be right back. Keeping up to date on the evolving policies of relevant state, local, and federal governments is key to success. When the future of your business is at stake, you need representation as dedicated as you are. With a maze of laws and regulations surrounding cannabis, hemp, and psychedelics, knowing where to begin can be a challenge. Good thing the law offices of Omar Figueroa features a skilled, highly focused team ready to guide you through it all. They're accepting new clients in California and New York. So make sure you check them out at info at omarfigueroa.com. Oh, yeah. Coming up next, he's the feisty old veteran who is the president of Weed for Warriors, the largest veterans chapter and most active veterans chapter for cannabis in the country that I'm aware of. That's right. It is the president of Weed for Warriors, Mr. Sean Kernan. Thank you, Jason. I'm going to talk about one of my favorite cannabis locations, Florida, and it comes from News Channel 8 in Florida. Florida Attorney General says marijuana amendment does not belong on the ballot. The recreational marijuana amendment does not belong the ballot for voters due to its misleading ballot summary, Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody said Monday in a filing with the Florida Supreme Court. The adult personal use of marijuana ballot summary is misleading, and the initiative does not belong on the ballot. My battery's about to die. Let me fix this. Uh-oh. Voters would be asked to make consequential changes to the state's constitution without being honest with them about what those changes would be, Moody argued. Moody said that despite its wording, the amendment wouldn't allow marijuana use, but would just eliminate state law penalties for it, according to the filing. If the amendment were to pass, marijuana use would remain illegal in Florida because of the Federal Controlled Substance Act, which makes marijuana schedule one substance generally prohibited nationwide, Moody wrote in the brief. Moody said in a state constitution cannot can't allow something that federal law prohibits. By virtue of the federal law, not a single instance of marijuana use would be lawful in Florida, even if the amendment passes, Moody said. Moody also said the ballot summary misleads voters on who would be allowed to enter the marijuana trade. Floridians would likely care about this issue because greater competition in the marijuana marketplace would decrease retail prices and increase the quality and professionalism of marijuana producers and retailers, the brief states. But current only medical marijuana treatment centers are licensed to engage in the marijuana trade in Florida, and the proposed amendment would not change that. Because the amendment affirmatively bans the possession of more than three ounces of marijuana, it would block legislatures from even allowing possession of more than three ounces, something Moody says makes may make some voters reconsider. Smart and Safe Florida, the sponsor of the ballot initiative, provided the following statement. We believe the language as written clearly complies with the requirements of the Constitution. We look forward to bringing this matter to the Florida Supreme Court and are confident that the court will conclude there is no life lawful basis to set aside the ballot initiative. This important issue should be entrusted to the citizens, over a million of whom already signed the Smart and Safe Florida petition saying they would support it, to decide for themselves through democratic choice. 
The University of North Florida public opinion research poll from March found 70% of the 1,452 people surveyed would strongly or somewhat support a measure allowing people over the age of 21 to buy a small amount of a marijuana for personal use. 29% of respondents say they would either strongly or somewhat oppose that amendment. Florida's medical marijuana program was created through a ballot measure in 2018. The most recent attempt at getting recreational marijuana on the ballot was thwarted in 2021 when a Florida judge ruled the language of the amendment was too vague. Love to hear what everyone thinks. I'm a big believer in letting voters have the chance, uh, but I absolutely hate Florida's medical uh, uh, system. Uh, you talk about a system that's encouraging in the illicit market. If you're talking about a system that doesn't give access to the vast majority through cost and through geographic issues, Florida's a case study in that. Man, oh man, oh man. Well, they, they Florida, according to their constitution, they are a single subject uh, voter referendum state in regards to how that state operates. Yes. And, and man, I'm telling you what, I bet Kim Rivers is so, so mad right now. Well, this is an initiative, and as Sean and I both know, initiatives can have some good parts, but some horrible parts to them. Okay? Um, and once you pass them, if you don't make them amendable by the legislature, you've got to go back to the voters to change it. That's a problem we have here in California. Local control is what's tripping our industry up. And how do you get rid of that? It's baked into 64, so you've got to go back and you've got to make some changes to it. It becomes disastrous. I'm all for moving this forward, um, but the pissing match involves what are the problems when you pass an initiative versus the legislature doing something? I don't know that we have a good answer for that. Dale, you know, I mean, what, what I find interesting is, I mean, he's obviously a prohibitionist and doesn't want this at all. Uh, I don't think I would align with him on that at all. What I find how interesting is how people in the South who are very much states' rights go immediately to the federal government when they don't want something, right? Uh, yeah. Hypocrisy is truly amazing. That being said, I, I, you know, the oligopoly that has been created in Florida is a case study in bad drug policy. Mm. Well, the most states have a Controlled Substances Act followed closely after the 1970 federal law. So they mimic this quite a bit. And when they drag out, oh, if we take away the state law, it's still going to violate federal law. Well, there's authority across this country for that not being the case because the federal law splits jurisdictions. And in California, we had a couple of cases. I think the, the San Diego normal case in 2008 said, no, no. Federal law doesn't preempt whatever state law decides to do with their state laws over controlled substances. Get the hell out of here. So that that's that's a straw man argument that, you know, that might get a lot of attention, but it just doesn't it doesn't address the real issues here. It's nonsense. The problem they got is everyone's smoking weed. Everyone's growing it. And how do you get on the back of this buck and bronco uh, if you especially you've got a political agenda? Well, and, and the bigger problem is, if you think about it, Dale, we are now empowering. The, we talked to Mandy earlier, we were talking about, and I was Gretchen about the divide within the cannabis community. And a lot of that's self-inflicted because now we have that, all you know, the, the petty bourgeoisie, right? That ruling class of oligarchs who who work with government to protect the children. Um, I mean, we have some on who come on this show who have been involved in Florida. And so the real question really becomes is, you know, we're not united in the people with the money or the little bit of money that exists. 
don't want what we want, which is smart policy. They want their, as Adam Berman said to Jim Cramer, the strictest zoning and most limited licensing model you could come up with because they're a taxicab medallion. The less taxicab medallions out there, the more valuable my taxicab medallion is. It's that thought process. And that's what we've developed with this overtax and absurdly regulate model. And it's absolutely embedded a roadblock into change that is very necessary if we want to bring policy that people like Kevin Sebeck can't take out. Look at these idiots in cannabis, how disastrous it is. Black markets galore, criminal activity, label, labor exploitation, you know, the environment's being destroyed contrary to what all the environmentalists talked about, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, these are the true Greta, things. Greta Thornburg syndrome? The what? The Greta Thornburg syndrome? The Greta, th- yeah, don't even get me started. Yeah, more <laughs> privilege. <as they're> speaking. <laughs> Lord have mercy. Oh, man. Well, you can't legislate human behavior. And most people recognize that these are not malum and say crimes. They're not involving moral turpitude. Smoking a joint does not make you a bad person. Okay? These are prohibit- prohibitionary laws. And if you don't have popular support for them, you see what we got now. If I can't get what I want at the local legal store, there's a trap shop right around the corner. I can dial somebody up and it shows up at my house. Your rules are just not working. And I don't have a problem with regulations if they're targeted and they're checked they to make sure they're they effective. They, regulations and government have to be accountable to the reason we put them into place. If they're not, they need to be removed. And too often they become jobs programs and too often then they're protected by the unions. And that's where we're at. We are in such a cluster F of a society because the people have not gotten involved. The people have not woke up to how used we're being used. And you hope it happens soon, but I, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like that that comedian who, the more I go along, I just look at like, holy crap, what is, you know, has it always been like this or is it essentially bad? And that's what I'd love to talk to my grandparents about who are now dead. Was it always this bad? And we just didn't so, see it. Well, you guys, we have reached the top of the hour. We did not get to my second story, so I want to do want to read you guys the headline and encourage you all to oh, head. Dear Lord. Hold on, head over. Gretchen's disappointed. Over. I can see the disappointment on your face, Gretchen. I know, I know. Hold on. It's actually it's actually just like two sentences. Here, I'm going to read this to uh-huh. you guys. You guys are going to love this, okay? This is big, 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 big news. New Hampshire medical marijuana dispensaries can now sell to visitors from other states and Canada. So they are now allowing for reciprocity. Medical marijuana dispensaries in New Hampshire can now sell their products to cannabis patients from other states and Canada. Federal law makes it illegal, yada, 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 da, 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 da. But starting Wednesday, New Hampshire visitors who can show a medical marijuana card with matching identification can make purchases at Granite State dispensaries. There are seven therapeutic pot dispensaries in New Hampshire in Chester, Conway, Dover, Key, uh, Lebanon, Merrimack, and Plymouth. So shout out to all of the people in New Hampshire, or all the people going to New Hampshire, because now you have reciprocity there too. You don't just have to go to reciprocity. DC. Yeah, reciprocity. Thank you, Gretchen. God Almighty. Yeah, reciprocity. Heard me the word Nazi, right? Yeah. Reciprocity. Somebody's got to keep them straight. Whatever, Gretchen. You want to close Wrap out the show? Up. You want to close out the show, Gretchen? Uh, can we just end it? No, we you gotta close yeah, it out. Yeah, yeah. You gotta close it out. It's like not having having like a uh, you know, it's like having one piece of bread in a sandwich. What do you want me to say? It's, I mean whatever if you want to say. If you're jail like Dale, then one piece of bread on a sandwich is is golden. Oh god. Hey, and an orange spork, man. True. There you go. Mm-hmm. Orange NFL spork. support cannabis.
NFL support yes. cannabis. Uh, so we need thank, more privileged people. Yeah, thank you all for joining us today. High and Nine News. It is America's number one daily cannabis news show. Thank you all so much. We'll see you all tomorrow. <laughs>